if you could tell me what you had for breakfast. A bowl of cereal. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company located in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, due to the current situation, with all live music being essentially stopped, it'll come as no surprise to many people listening to this show that musicians and especially their support crew and management teams have found their income dramatically reduced. That's why the Skinny Armadillo has set up a website to support artists called Music for Good. You can purchase a specially designed t-shirt for this cause and $10 from that t-shirt will be donated to any band or artist of your choice. You can also donate money as well as purchasing the shirt. All you need to do is go to musicforgood.itemorder.com. That's musicforgood.itemorder.com. And of course, there'll be a link to the website on musiconyourownterms.com with the show notes and also in the social media posts for this episode. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast, including finding out who I'll be interviewing next by signing up for the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you'll also find show notes for every episode, some pretty cool videos to check out from various guests, and also links to their music and social media if you want to find out more. While you're there, don't forget to take a peek at the store and pick up something for your grandma. And finally, I'd really appreciate it if you leave a review on iTunes, because that really helps the podcast get in front of more people just like you who want to learn from the successes, strategies, and failures of artists and entrepreneurs that I talk to. I really feel that the information coming from those guests is exceedingly valuable for the musicians community and anyone wanting to pick up tips from other people's experiences. Welcome to episode 56 of the podcast. In this episode, I have the pleasure of talking to Massachusetts-based photographer Hilary Jason. As you'll hear in the interview, I discovered her work after googling a show I had attended in Boston to find photos of the performance. Hilary takes us on a journey from falling in love with photography in school, working in retail, to becoming a professional freelance photographer, traveling the country shooting large festivals, and being featured in major publications, all as a result of a couple of flip phone images being featured in an exhibit. We learn about what it's like to shoot a multi-day, multi-stage festival, some behind-the-scenes stories of difficult bands, and some great advice for those considering a life in freelance work. Join me as we discover what really drives a true artist to create. All right, welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. I'm joined today by Hilary Jason, who is a photographer, painter, designer, and journalist uh, based out of Massachusetts. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? 
I'm very well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, so I first uh, started following you um, after I went to the uh, the Decibel magazine tour in 2015, seeing At The Gates, and I noticed, uh, basically I Googled, I noticed you were taking pictures. I didn't know who it was, but I Googled um, the show because I wanted to see pictures from the show, and uh, that was one of my favorite shows um, for a while. And uh, yeah, and, and I've been following your work ever since because your, your photographs are absolutely excellent. Oh, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, so yeah, so uh, if you could uh, give yourself a quick intro and, you know, what you do, you know, as a, as a photographer and everything else. Okay. That's a lot, but okay. So um, um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a freelance photographer, designer, painter, um, pretty terrible journalist, but I do my best. Um, mm. <laughs> and I'm based in uh, Massachusetts, but I kind of travel all over. Lately, I've been kind of running around the world. Um, well, mm. not lately. Lately, I've been, I've been at home. Yeah. <laughs> and I photograph everything, really. Um, I have I do commercial work. Um, I photograph shows mostly, um, band promos, do some fine art stuff, all that kind of thing. Awesome. So yeah, let's, let's get into the history. Um, you know, how did you get into art and photography first of all? So I went to, uh, college for it. Um, I've always, I've always been sort of into the creative arts my whole life. Um, even as a little kid, tons and tons of like drawing and painting and I was in, mm-hmm. I went to acting school. I went to music school. Um, I did a lot of this stuff. So it's sort of always been in my blood. Um, in college, I went to an art school. I went to University of the Arts in Philadelphia, uh, where I was an illustration major. Um, and actually before that, my first, uh, I would say the, was it in high school? In high school, I had a photography class and that was the first time I actually like other than like, you know, when I was a kid, we all had little cameras and they had like these little disc cameras and these little tiny little things and whatever. We all had them, but I wasn't really serious about it or anything. In high sure. school, uh, I had I took an elective class um, and it was and I had a really great time. So then in college, I took another elective. I took photography again. Um I kind of fell in love with it. I mean, this is obviously days of film. This is quite a while ago. So, I mean, I really fell in love with it, but I didn't really follow Mm. it much more after that. Um, After college, uh, I did not have really a career in art. Everything art was just for me. You know, I didn't really follow that professionally at all. I went into corporate America um, Mm -hmm. for decades. And then, um, I don't know, was it like, maybe 12 or 13 years ago, I just, I don't know. I just picked up a camera and I just started being like, this is great. (laughs) Right. And I just really enjoyed it again. Um, And I left, it was funny before I actually left my, my corporate jobs um, to pursue pursue any sort of artistic career. um, I was at a friend's uh, show at Ralph's in Worcester. Okay. So you're familiar with the area. So Ralph's Mm -hmm. in Worcester. And um, I started, I don't know, I had like, it was like one of those shitty flip phones, you know, and I was taking pictures of the show with my flip phone and I was just like addicted. They're terrible photos. I mean, I mean, as far as it was probably like a pixel, I mean, it was like, (laughs) you know, it's horrible. 
But the strange thing was, is that um, there was an exhibit at the Worcester Art Museum. Um, what was it called? Damn, I really should remember this stuff. I didn't come prepared. Um, <laughs> Who Shot Rock and Roll? That's what the exhibit was okay. called. And it was all about, you know, uh, an art exhibit about music. So there was a lot of photography and a lot of, you know, stuff like this. And two of those crappy little flip phone photos made it into the exhibit, um, oh. which was pretty cool. I mean, they were terrible. But, you know, yeah, this is kind of fun. Um, and that's it. I mean, I just got addicted to it. I just right completely addicted to it. So what was your uh, corporate background? I was in management. So I worked in um, sort of lower middle management. You know, I was in mm. um, uh, first I started out in marketing um, and I really just didn't really enjoy that much. It was insurance marketing and it's just not kind of me. And then, um, you know, all through when I was a kid, I was one of these people who always had like two and three jobs going mm -hmm. through school. I just couldn't stop myself and I would just work, 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 work. And it was in retail. And so, um, very young, I think when I was like 15 and I was still in like high school, I started like getting like lower, like the, the beginning of being able to hold keys in a store. So your key holders like, Ooh, right. I'm a manager, you know, that's stupid shit, but whatever. Um, so I just, after college, I just followed that and I was in management and retail and became district mm -hmm. manager of different companies and stuff. And it was, it was pretty grueling though. I mean, I, I pretty much lived for those jobs and didn't do anything else. Uh, right. or it almost killed me. So I spent about um, 20 years doing that. And, uh, I decided I would prefer to live. You're right. <laughs> so what got you into, uh, music and, and metal specifically? Was there a specific artist growing up that like got you hooked or? Well, when I was a very small kid, a lot of people have this story and, and no offense to this band. I'm not a huge fan now, but when I was in grade school, you know, we used to make book covers for our books. And I was obsessed with the KISS logo. And I was like maybe, I don't know, eight or something like this. And I was mm -hmm. just obsessed with drawing the KISS logo. And I didn't really know much about their music or whatever. And I just started getting obsessed with like, and I remember drawing like the ACDC logo and all this stuff. And I, and I, I mean, I was really little, but I had some inkling. I was always into music already. So you would hear mm -hmm. things and, you know, I knew who Led Zeppelin was and I knew who all these bands were. I mean, you hear it all the time. Um, but really what got me into what you would call metal um like proper metal would be when i was uh, 11 years old and i was in a record store in some mall somewhere flipping through records as one did and i grabbed and it had just come out that year i think and I grabbed uh, iron maidens the number of the beast there it is yeah and i looked at the awesome. thing and i was like what what is this? <laughs> you know, yep. I was like, this is so scary. And there's demons on the back and fire and all this stuff. And, um, and I bought it. And, um, mm -hmm. and so that's really what kind of pushed me into like proper metal. Um, when I was about 11. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. I mean that those album covers just like, I, I, I liked the band from the album covers before I heard a, a note. Mm. And then obviously, you know, later on, it's like one of my favorite bands, if not, I wouldn't say it's my favorite band of all time, but definitely way, way up there. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. They're amazing. 
so what um you know what it once you decided to to pursue art i mean how did you get your start into concert photography because obviously there's a lot of you know getting into shows and being able to do that stuff on you know at least the mid to large level shows so mm -hmm. how did you get how did you get like the credentials and work on like a business plan um literally it started with just showing up at friend shows um started off with like like i told you that stupid flip phone and um decided to buy myself um a DSLR because I didn't have any film cameras at the time. I didn't really, I mean, all right. that stuff had been gone and I figured that was dead or whatever. So I bought myself a very, very, uh, little baby entry level, um, uh, DSLR. It was a Nikon. Actually first, I think, no, first I borrowed a friend. She had a Nikon D70 or something like this. I have a D70. There you yep. go. So I, I, I borrowed that and I was like, oh, I borrowed that for like, um, uh, like a couple of weeks or a month or something like that. And just started showing up to people's shows hmm. and just taking pictures. And so, you know, a lot of them were friends and so it was fine or whatever. Um, you, know, you build your confidence, you make a lot of mistakes, you know, whatever. And I was always just a little afraid to get in anybody's way or bother anybody watching the show. Then I bought a, very soon after that, I bought a Nikon. D90 entry level kind of thing. And it was a great little camera. I mean, I loved it. And I literally just kept shooting shows, just kept shooting shows, shooting, 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 shooting constantly. Anytime there was a show that I could get into that they would let me do it, I did it. And then, mm -hmm. I don't know, you just start meeting people. It's a very slow process. You really have to, you really have to love it. And you really have to be good about talking to people and meeting people and, accommodating people and um mm -hmm. and slowly you know you start getting names oh you should contact this person and oh what are you gonna do? then you get hooked up with a magazine then you you know suddenly you have a website and suddenly you know people are like hey will you come shoot this show or this fest or whatever i mean it's it seems like it's a very fast process but it took you know a decade of mm. really just um doing it constantly so you you really have to love it if you don't love it there's there's no reason to do this there really just absolutely isn't. so what's the challenging thing about shooting concerts versus just like portraits or landscape i mean obviously the lighting is like how do you address the lighting because i've i've never tackled concert photography it kind of scares the crap out of me uh -huh. you know just because of the technical aspect but what are, what are the challenges well the best part about like uh like for me, and I know a lot of photographers started this way in these tiny little clubs and they always have the worst lighting and the worst situations. You know, you're not talking about some giant amphitheater mm. with like professional lights. It's like, you know, some of them would be like a, you know, our basement shows where you got a light bulb hanging from the ceiling and you got to try and, you know, try and get the best thing you can get out of it. Um, so you just experiment and you just learn. Um, you, you have to really learn how, I mean, luckily I had a bit of a photography background already um, and I knew how to use film cameras and I understood exposures and I understood mm. all of this stuff. Um, and so that made it a little bit easier. So really I could just focus on, you know, especially with digital cameras that I was just like, Oh my God, I don't have to like reload film and I don't have to like do all this stuff. But um, you just, you cut your teeth just busting your ass, making mistakes and learning from them and trying harder. Um, mm. These days lighting, I mean, I really love the challenging lighting. 
I'm one of the few people that I know that does this, that like, I mean, unless it's pitch black, like there are a couple of bands. Um, and I mean, no offense to, to like spectral voice, but they come up with like, they, I think of them a lot because they want everything pitch black, which I get mm. the effect for me. It makes it very challenging, but I get off on that. Like, I really like to be challenged because there are some shows they're just almost too easy to shoot and it's kind of not as much fun. I mean, I'll enjoy the show maybe if it's a band I like, but it's more fun when it's challenging for me. Um, so you just, you just sort of learn, um, what works, what doesn't work for you. Everybody has a different way of approaching bad lighting or strobe Mm. lights. I know a lot of photographers hate the strobe lights. I really love them because yeah, it's very hard to get a, a keeper, a photo that's really great. But if you can get one, they're usually really, really great. So I don't know. Awesome. That's what I do. Great. So uh, what publications do you uh, are you featured in or published in? Um, so um, have I been in or like do I? Yeah. So I must, uh, there was this one originally that started, uh, I don't, know if it exists anymore but bone reader was one of the first ones um Mm -hmm. that uh it's also this online magazine gasp that a friend of mine used to run um then it's ghost cult magazine um now i've been in decibel rolling stone um local newspapers worcester magazine was her telegram gazette um that's i think most of them i'm probably leaving out a couple but awesome Mm mm-hmm um, yeah, so where, I mean, can you talk a little about the tours and the festivals you've been on? Yeah, what do you want to know? There's been so many. <laughs> um, fa- I mean, some favorites, Spinal uh, Tap moments. Spinal Tap, oh, those happen all the time. Some of those I, I don't like to talk about, though, because I would, you know, give away some band secrets. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like, I I love festivals. They exhaust me. Um but I really, I, I really, I really enjoy the adrenaline. It keeps me going through them. I'm really sad that um, one of the first major festivals that I've been able to, I've been fortunate enough to attend and photograph regularly now is Maryland Death Fest mm-hmm. and their different incarnations. And it's very sad because they'd be happening next weekend, this coming weekend. Yep. Um, so that's a little weird. And they're all good friends um so it's kind of sad they're like a family so i'm not going to be able to see them but uh that one that one uh is probably one of the most exhausting festivals at least now it's not as bad when they had the edison lot it was um i don't know if you how much you know about that fest i know a little bit i don't i've never been but so at one point they expanded into um really really large they had uh four stages sometimes they would use mm. i think the sidebar so maybe five but so four stages two of them were outdoors in a, in a big parking lot that they would shut down mm. and then two of them uh which they still use today would be the sound stage and ram's head which are about a block away from each other but the outdoor stages would be over here and the indoor one so you know with the timing of four stages I think uh, a friend of mine who's been shooting that fest longer than me, Aaron, um, we were both that the first year of the Edison lot years, we were like tracking our miles, you know, on our phones. Mm. I stopped counting when it hit 
like 20, I think it was 25 miles a day. I just turned it wow. off. I'm like, I don't want to know. I think, he, <laughs> I think he was up around cause he was doing, um, more than I was. And he was up around like 32 miles a day or something like that. And so for wow. four days straight, that's, that's pretty grueling, you know, and like, yeah. you know, we're all like, I'm carrying around almost about 50 pounds of gear on my back, you know, just mm. bing, 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 back and forth. Um, those are grueling, but, um, but they're just great. I mean, I just love the adrenaline of them. Others, um, can be exhausting in different ways than that. Um, mm. so, but they're all, I mean, I enjoy them all for different reasons. They're all have their own sure. vibe. They all, um, have a different style of running things. Um, the best ones are the ones for me, um, the ones that the, the guys from Maryland death fest run. I mean, they just run everything like clockwork. Awesome. Um, and they're just so, they're so good to me. Um, I can't say enough about them. They're just great guys. So that's great. So who sets the schedule for that? Is that based on your, um, like, are you working for a particular publication and they say, I want pictures of this, this, and this band, or is it more personal preference? And then you sell your, your pictures later or how, how does that kind of work? It's a little bit of both. Um, it really depends. It depends every time. Um, Certain, certain, uh, publications will be like, I want this, you know, I know ahead of time and others will just be like, after the fact, they're like, Hey, did you get any shots of this? Hey, did you get any shots of that? Hey, did you, yeah, yeah, here you go. Um, mm. so it really, it really just depends. Um, it also depends on if they're, they want me to review the, 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 the fest, which I, I hate to say that I, I fight it every time, but I have to be honest with myself. And, and I know my editors know that like, I, I'm not a great writer. I was, I was never a great writer. I write like I talk, I ramble, I swear, <laughs> you know what I mean? I make snarky jokes that probably only I get. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't like doing it because, um, it's like, I don't know, it's harder. And it's also really hard for some of these fests to photograph and review every single band. Oh, sure. I was going to say, it it's, gets, you're almost doing double duty there. Cause you got to take good pictures and then really pay attention to what's happening. And it's like, uh, that's like two people. That's two jobs. Yeah. And some fest it's three, you know what I mean? Like right. there, it depends on how big the fest is. So, um, it really depends on how, how I go into it, but I usually try and shoot um, it, every band. If I can, every single mm. band I try to get photographs of. So that makes reviewing hard. Um, so right. sometimes I will, you know, say, please don't ask me to do that. If I know that it's going to be like, I'm spending only 10 minutes in each venue or something mm -hmm. like that. So, um, yeah. Has there been any shows where you, you knew you had to get a shot of a band in a different stage, but you really, really wanted to stay for uh, the full set? Oh, that happens all the time. Yeah, right. that happens all the time. Um, and there are times where I don't care and I will stay for the whole set. There actually, it's funny because I was talking with a friend of mine about this um, recently. There were uh, two occasions uh, in the like that always come to mind for me when people ask this, and they actually were both at Maryland Death Fest. One was when Godflesh uh, came back mm -hmm. after sixteen years of not touring. I didn't move for that set. There was I wasn't mm. going anywhere. Um, I was still relatively new into doing this anyway, but I was not, I mean, I hadn't seen Godflesh and they hadn't toured, they hadn't been in the U S for 16 years or something. And 
I love that band so much. So awesome. I wasn't going anywhere. The other one was also at MDF uh, when Neurosis played, and mm. um, they just had, and it was the beginning of before they had been touring. Like now they've been touring all the time, but they just had so much energy on that set, and it was outside and everything. But it was just I literally like. I shot it and then I sat like, you know, if you ever seen the other side, I don't know if all fans know what the barriers look like on the mm-hmm. other side. of it. They have like little s- steps so the, you know, the bouncers can get people or whatever. And I literally yep. just took my shots and sat down the whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> and just was like in awe. Um, so those, those uh, are two that I think of all the time that I was not going to move for those. There's others, but those stand out for whatever reason. Awesome. Yeah, funny you mentioned that, actually. Um, are you familiar with Gas Monkey down here? Gas Monkey? at all? Yeah, mm. so Gas Monkey, uh, so you know the, the brand Gas Monkey Garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have two venues down here, Gas Monkey Bar and Grill and Gas Monkey Live, and they're the, one of the biggest Dallas ones, um, you know, outside of the really big arenas and whatnot. But they just actually installed the barriers this year I'm like mm. i was blown away because the first as soon as i started going there it was like wait there's no barriers <laughs> and then they they got them in and it's like that was kind of weird but anyway so yeah. you know just a side comment so i mean do you do you so you make most of your living now um shooting or do you you know have multiple streams of income with different uh you know art form uh, not art forms but different media let's say yeah i mean uh, um I, I it's pretty much shooting at this point I, I haven't really i mean i do some design work um for specifically with a band that i work with um very closely but i don't um i have done album like paintings and things and been commissioned for those but i just i mean now i have the time but i i just like especially last year i didn't have any time to really take mm-hmm. on any extra projects. Um, but I, I work with a local school that I do event photography and headshots and, you know, different things like this and like marketing photography for them. Um, that's gone right now too, obviously. And right, who right. knows if it'll come back. I don't know, but, but uh, that's, that's pretty much how, uh, where my income comes from. I don't okay, really cool. have any other avenues of income. <laughs> <laughs> so leading into that, so you know how how have you pivoted your business based on the current situation? Like, what are you, what are you doing different, or if anything, I'm not doing anything. Unfortunately, um, it's you know it's a shame. Uh, luckily, I'm fine. I was prepared for this, so it's not. I'm not hurting. I'm not having. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not in need of any assistance, and I'm fortunate. There, there's mm. lots of people who are not. Um, I'm thankful, uh, but I was prepared for something like this to happen for a long time and, you know, took a lot of steps to make sure that I'd be fine no matter what. Um, so adjusting to COVID is more, um, (laughs) I mean, I don't do anything, unfortunately, other than, like I said, I have a design project that I'm working on and if I'm doing something for myself, but I have no work, unfortunately. And it's, um, Mm it's frustrating um, because I really just want to get out and shoot. You know, nobody wants any portraits done. Nobody, there are no events. There are no corporate events. There are no public events. There are no concerts. Um, Nobody really, you know, 
I mean, I guess I could go out and do street photography or something, but it's really not, it's not my thing. Um, mm. And for me personally, not to go dark or anything for me personally, I've, um, I've been carrying around one of my cameras, like religiously, I have it in my car, wherever I go. And I haven't touched it. I, mm. and it, and I think about it and, um, and I'm, I'm concerned with myself, but I think I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just, it just has been making me too sad. It's just making mm. me too upset to think about. So I'm trying to focus on other avenues. Mm. Um, I honestly, I haven't even like, you know, a lot of people were watching like a lot of these live streams that bands were doing and looking at old live videos, um, and things like this. And, and as much as I would love to support all of that, I mean, and I do, I mean, I think it's wonderful. And if it, if it, if it's great for people, I think it's awesome for me. I, I was afraid to do any of that or look at any of that. Cause I thought it was going to really upset me. Mm -hmm. Um, because not just for myself, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I'm okay. I'm really worried about everyone else I know in the industry, um, where they're not okay, where they, right. they weren't prepared for something like this. And, so it's hard. I, 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 it's a hard balance, you know, mm -hmm. I think everybody's going through like, how do you balance like how upset you are and how frustrated you are sure. and trying to be productive and feeling guilty if you're not productive enough and all this stuff. So. Right. So was, um, you know, was, was when you went into freelancing, was that, uh, you know, one of the first things you did, like prepare for the, you know, situation where you have a lack of work just because obviously finance, uh, Financing, freelancing is obviously a more random source of income. So, mm -hmm. are there any other things you need to be aware of if you are freelancing? In that respect, what do you mean for like other like advice to people or yeah? So I mean, obviously you 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 had already uh, figured out that you know, you know, if if a situation arose, then you wouldn't have work and thereby no income. So, are there any other like big things you have to think about if you want to be a freelancer? I mean, there's so many things you have to think about. I think, um, my part and not everything works for every single person. So I, you know, what I I'm think sure. works for me is not going to work for someone else. Um, for me, I just never wanted to be stuck in one hole and rely on any one thing. Um, whether it be creatively, um, or, financially or you know anything like that i just i, I mean i've always been that kind of person anyway i don't mm. i don't i don't like to i get i don't know i like to diversify how to diversify <laughs> um the things that i do um for a number of reasons number one i get bored you know if i was doing the exact same thing all the time if um if i was you know only doing product photography, let's say, and I'm only photographing shoes 24, seven, seven days a week. Like no offense to shoes. They're important, but I don't want to take pictures of shoes. You know what I mean? You know, it's just, mm -hmm. so it's, I mean, it's a very simple example that I'm using. And, um, but, um, it's, I mean, it's hard having a business for yourself is not the, it's not something to be taken on lightly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even for me, it wasn't, and I ran, businesses my whole life. So, you know, I, I understood the pitfalls and, and, and the pitfalls and um, the challenges that would come with it. Originally, what I wasn't prepared for was um, actually what a lot of people are going through right now. 
because I work from home. You know, I have mm-hmm. my own office. I have a little tiny studio for myself and I don't, I have no need to go into any building or office for on a regular basis as many people do. Um, when I first started doing it, I was not prepared for, I didn't have depression when it started, but I had my sleep schedule got extremely, mm-hmm. you know, which I know a lot of people now with COVID are dealing with. Um, it was just a mess. I couldn't really figure out what, which, what to do, where, where I was, what I was doing. And this is, you know, and I even understood business and I understood how to do these things, but I still, when it came down to doing something myself, it just whole, everything went out the window. So I don't know, like if, if somebody was going to get into freelance work, I would say is be very careful, be very smart, um, diversify and, you know, live simply for a while. Mm-hmm. And don't think that, you know, you're going to be able to just, you know, have all this money flying at you. And, you know, the first time you have to do taxes, you'll realize, you know, <laughs> that maybe you didn't make the right decision. <laughs> um, yep. um, so I don't know. It's, it's very challenging. There's, it's, it, it's kind of, that would be like, you could watch an entire seminar by somebody, you know, a lot more intelligent than I am explain it better. But, um, and I'm sure there there's a number of how to's on YouTube that people could figure it out. But I would, I would be very careful, um, if I mm. was going into it in this day and age for anyone. Awesome. That's, that's excellent advice. Thank you. Mm. Um, so yeah, what I, what I've started describing them as non quick fire, um, questions cause they, they tend okay. to uh, make people think a lot, but, um, what? Oh, don't do that to me. I don't. I, I wasn't uh, here. You didn't tell me I was going to have to think. <laughs> <laughs> what significant negative experience have you overcome, and what did it teach you? Oh my God! Come on, <laughs> dude. Do you want to? In what? <laughs> in what area of my life you're talking about? Like personally or professionally? Anything or? you want to answer about. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 a rough one. Um. I, I mean, the most, the first thing that I, I'll just tell you the first thing that I thought of, and I don't mind talking about it. Uh, when I was nine years old, my mother died and oh, sorry to I, hear that. no, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but it taught me a lot very fast. You know, um, I was the oldest of two children at the time. There was only two of us and it put a lot of pressure on me, um, and I had to learn very quickly to be pretty responsible pretty quickly um, mm. uh, and try and help as much as I could with as many things that I could just to emotionally and, you know, cleaning up after yourself, which most nine-year-olds don't really, you know, they're thinking of and mm-hmm. taking care of your, your sibling and um, if you could. Um, but that taught me a lot. It taught me, it made me very resilient. I had a, a lot of, um, besides that, a lot of, uh, death in my life when I was very young. Um, but it, it taught me to try and live every day as fully as I possibly could and not, you know, and I still fall victim to worrying about the future and being concerned and all this other stuff. Everybody has that. Uh, it's pretty normal, but you know, when I sit back and calmly think about it, it always remind you know, some, going through those things reminded me pretty quickly to, you know, it could always be worse. Everything could always be mm-hmm. worse. Um, and tomorrow is another day and just live today and just do what you feel is right. And, you know, do the best things that you can in your life and 
that's it. Awesome. If that, that makes any sense. I feel like I just babbled my way through that, but no, that, that was great. Thank Sorry. you very much for sharing. <laughs> um, yeah. So flipping that around, what major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow could be photography on the journey or could be anything else really, but geez. Um, this is some deep stuff here. Uh, what major positive experience? I mean, how do I pick just one? I don't know. I'll make it simple. It, it, I mean, the first time that anybody, you know, as we'll just use it for photography, for example, and concert photography specifically. I guess the first time somebody wanted to publish or use any of the, you know, photos in like a CD or what, that, I mean, that was pretty cool. That kind of was like, people do actually like it. Not that, I mean, I don't really do this for anyone else other than myself um, mm. because it really wouldn't be worth it otherwise. Um, and people are pretty vicious out there, you know, <laughs> in general. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, but it was pretty cool. You know, the first time that anything got displayed or used or whatever, that, that kind of made me go. <laughs> I think that's indicative of art in general. I th think the most, um, the most honest art is usually the best because you're not creating it for anyone else. It's, it's an, it's an extension of your own personality. So, you know, obviously when people like it, then, you know, it's an even bigger compliment than if you're say writing music for a jingle or whatever, or taking <clears throat> pictures for a magazine that, that says, I need this, this, and this. And you're, you know, that's, that's like a paycheck rather than doing art because you want to do art. So I mean, it's either in you or it's not. I mean, right. it's just, you know, and that's fine. It doesn't have to be in you. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong, you know, with it not being part of who you are. For me, it's just ever since I was, I, I mean, I could walk. I've been doing something creative, either mm. now professionally or studying it or just for myself. It's just, it's just something about who I am. And um, I mean, acceptance isn't all that important to me. Uh, I think, I think it shouldn't be, you know, I think it's, it's unfortunate when, um, if that becomes your goal, um, in the creative mm -hmm. field. And I feel like you don't ever really live up to your true potential, um, creatively, if that's the way you do things. Um, but you know, Hey, what, at the end of the day, whatever gets people by, it's fine. It doesn't bother me. I'm not offended by, you know, I, I mean, I respect it. But I wish people would just do things that they felt creatively that they just felt, and I feel like that Absolutely. they they come out with a, a it's more it's more evocative of 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 what their intent was on that piece, whether it be a painting or whatever. Um, I don't know, and it's funny because in college we used to have um, man, we used to have these um, critiques uh, at the end of class or. It, you know, all kinds of, ugh, it was crazy. And they would be like eight hours long and, um, mm -hmm. they were brutal. <laughs> they were, <laughs> um, it really taught me a lot about how to deal with criticism, both positive and negative. Um, and I mean, it was great. It was a huge learning experience and lots of people didn't make it through those things without taking things very, very personally. There people could be really brutal, um, mm -hmm. which is great. But, um, it, it, it made me realize at, at a young age that I would much prefer someone hate what I did 
or love what I did because it created um, an emotion or a, fe- a response in them. And I, sure. and what I hate most is if anything that I do, people go, me, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no. I, you know, that's, that, that's, I think that's the most um, upsetting reaction you could get from, um, mm. from someone about anything that you create is kind of like, yeah. You know, I think you should, right. re- you should really push to either people to hate it or love it. And there just should not be any in between. Right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, final question is what does music mean to you? What does it mean to me? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of everything really. It's part of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just as humans, it's been part of our lives, our cultures since the beginning it's um it means everything i've met for me personally it's meant obviously a career um it's meant that i get to travel it's meant that um i've gotten to meet some amazing people some really shitty people but i mean also some really (laughs) amazing people um i've gotten to meet people um, some of my idols that, you know, and be friends with them that I never thought was, that's kind of weird. Um, but it's meant everything to me. And I, and I personally, I, I just, there's something about a live performance, uh, in general, the, the reaction, the, the interaction between the performer and the, and the, and the observer there's just something magic about that when it's when it's when it's right it's Mm. there's just something you can't you can never replace that with anything you know for me um i feel like it's it's you know it can be like a religious or spiritual experience or whatever um but yeah for me it's i mean it's everything it's in the background of my life it's in the foreground of my life it's in between i mean for me it's it's been everything so. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually, sorry, I I lied. I I want to expand on that a little bit. So yeah. if um, who's surprised? Like meeting your idols is something they say you should never do because they're always <laughs> going to disappoint. But like who who's been a surprise in in like that they were really nice and personable without to uh, you know taking your shit on anyone and who who uh, kind of you know was kind of a disappointment for whatever reason. Mm. <laughs> you're <laughs> trying to get me into trouble here now no um, no i i don't <clears throat> like doing that but i mean okay so uh, i wouldn't so who was a surprise as far as positive i mean i'm never i never go into it like uh, first of all i never went into it to meet anyone mm. uh, it was not my intention I don't, I don't, I'm not one of those big fanboy people. I'm not, I don't get excited about that stuff. I never have ever since I was a little kid. I'm just kind of, you're just a regular Joe. Like it's totally whatever. Um, so I kind of have no expectation. You know what I mean? It just, mm-hmm. I just assume they're regular people. They either suck or they're great. I mean, it's just kind of like, <laughs> you know, or they're meh. Um, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, somebody who was never, and this is no offense to this artist, never really was an idol. I respect them, whatever. 
um, but was a surprise when I met them briefly and was around their interactions with other fans um, was not too long ago, a year or a year before, I think. Uh, Phil Anselmo, um, mm-hmm. who you hear, I mean, you hear some pretty, you know, whatever. Um, I don't, I try to base my opinion off of my own opinion of, sure. you know, but I, you know, I was just like, okay, maybe he's kind of a dick. I don't know. But, um, he, when I was, I don't, what the hell fest was it? Was it? Mm, I cannot remember. It was, I think it was Maryland death fest last year. I don't know. I, I apologize. They kind of run together sometimes. Okay. Sometimes I yeah. need the photos to go, what year was this? And what, um, right. but he was so amicable to his fans that year. And I was just floored. I was outside my hotel room, um, just kind of standing there. And he was outside with a bunch of fans that must have like, you know, whatever. I think he was staying in the same hotel and they must have been also because the, the fans were in their pajamas. So I'm assuming they were <laughs> staying there. Um, and they were just standing there talking, you know, and I'm sitting there just like on the Wi-Fi and like, you know, working on the quick little Instagram posts that I do and the little photos and stuff. Mind my own business. And he was just so nice and so amicable to these people that I don't know. I, I just assumed that they were like, long friends um mm-hmm. and it turned out he had just met them like he went outside maybe to smoke a cigarette or something i don't know and they bumped into each other sure. and they had like a 45 minute just kind of hang out normal nice conversation and awesome that was pretty cool honestly i mean i i'd never really met the met him or talked to him i've heard things um you know whatever um but that was cool whether or not that's awesome. him all the time i really couldn't say you know whatever um as far as who I don't like, I I don't think this is a very safe area for no, me. No, I we, to let's get let's into. leave that. Yeah, I mean okay. there we there is that. somebody that I will I will say that there was someone that um I'm not going to tell you who it is, um, but there there was there there was um uh, trying to think how I can word this uh properly. <laughs> there was a number of people from a, a band that I photographed at live at recently. It wasn't like a band shoot or anything. And um, I can tell you that the band caused so many problems um, behind like pretty, pretty terrible things uh, that I, w- I will never listen to this band again. I mean, it was, it was pretty You'd be surprised sometimes um, mm. how, I mean, people shouldn't be surprised. They're human beings and they're fallible and right. some of them are terrible. And just because they're on a stage and they've got a microphone and they've sold records doesn't mean that they're Gandhi, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't. And in mm-hmm. fact, if they're, you know, it can actually, you know, uh, bring out the worst in people. And, and and I've seen a lot of that. This mm-hmm. one band in particular was was so bad and caused so many problems with other bands and a lot of it. And I was witness to all of it and with the promoters and with the venue and with the fans. And it was just, it was days of, um, 
of, of just something that I found so appalling and shocking that, um, uh, that it was, I would, I would never, and people worship this band and it, it's kind of sad. That to me is just sad. Um, there's just, when you're just out of control and wow. it, you know, for no reason why, mm-hmm. you know, it's a fest right. and there's fans and there's other bands and get along and have a good time. If you don't like them, separate yourself. Like don't, don't try and cause fights and this, and you know, it's just, so that, that was, that can be very disappointing, you know? Um, sure. Don't be surprised though. I mean, sometimes people just don't want to talk to you as a fan and, and they don't, right. they don't not, is it, it's not always them trying to be a dickhead about it though, you know, or, or you know, being, being jerks about it. Sometimes it's literally like wrong time, wrong place, wrong moment. And I have seen fans also be really really difficult with some of the artists for sure so you know it happens a lot and it's it's really unfair for um you know people to expect them to be you know all puppies and rainbows 24 7 um when you're harassing the hell out of them and they just got Mm -hmm. off the stage and they're just trying to like go get a shower real quick like i've seen this stuff and i'm like calm down so yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I think people would be surprised what happens behind the scenes on both sides of it, on how good it, it really is. And also on the off ch- off time where you get one that's just so bad, it ruins it for everyone. But most, sure. I would say you'd be surprised that like behind the scenes, most people are pretty okay. Right. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just bring up one, uh, one example. Like I, I met Mike Portnoy a couple of times and the first time was uh, 08, I think, outside of Daddy's Junkie Music in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were at the front of the line, pretty much. So he could have just woken up. He wasn't that personable. And then we met him in Manchester, where we lived, in New Hampshire, uh, just after he left Dream Theater, I think it was. And it was like almost he was pulling me back to keep talking to me. Like, he was so personable and like i want to talk to you and like all this stuff so it was yeah you you just catch people on an off day and it's that's but unfortunately with the the way it is is like that's your own may maybe your only frame of reference for that person so yeah i mean and unfortunately just people just hold these people to a standard that they shouldn't i mean they're just human beings and you know somebody's been on tour for a month straight and, you know, hasn't slept in a real bed or maybe they're, you know, a smaller band, they're touring in the back of a van or something like this. And they don't even get hotels or they don't even barely get food. Like, give them a break. Like, you right. know, that's not you can't even even in best case scenario, these tours and these shows are exhausting for people, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like they try to give you, you know, I would say 99 percent of the time they really put their all into every show. It's like sometimes people just need a break, right. um, you know, and, and, but, you know, but in the same respect, I've met some amazing musicians that, um, that like could easily have every reason, like you would go, you get a pass if you're a dickhead, you know what I mean? You know, so, mm. and they have completely never been that way. Um, right. Gene Holden comes to mind. He's a great guy, a friend of mine. And he's, he's, he's awesome. Sweet as pie. He's super sweet. I mean, like right. he's the nicest guy. Every time I see him, I'm just like, hey, super friendly. Um, you know, 
So I and someone like that, you could, you know, easily say they'd be allowed to be a bit of a dick if they wanted to just, but like, you know, but. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that he's a really nice guy because he works with so many different bands and he's so, you know, sought after. He, I mean, the fact that he's such an amazing musician, you know, that goes yeah. without saying, but I think even if you are the best drummer on the planet, um, you know, if you're a dick, you're not going to get invited to play with every, you know, every thrash band and every, you know, go on tour with death clock or, or whatever, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't think those opportunities will arise if you're not a nice person. I mean, you don't, I don't know that you have to be a nice person. I, I've seen a lot of people get by on just unbelievable talent and still <laughs> be able to get by on it. But you have to, I mean, you have to be at least somewhat accommodating. We're all human and, um, right. You don't have to be a jerk for no reason. Um, but, you know, it's usually the people that I've noticed that are really that that are a little bit more difficult to deal with. And, and sure, it are the people that are not in as big of bands. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like small bands are always that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's the typically the ones that I've seen that happen to have problems and they're not a ton of them. They're just they're just where that sort of like mid-level underground, the upper middle level, you know. We're not talking sure. about Metallica bands here, like you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, it's just um, they just they just put their problems on on a two hour documentary. Oh, that movie's such a comedy. <laughs> that is the funniest movie I've ever seen. Oh my god, it's so great. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, awesome. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much for the conversation. It was, uh, you know, it really really great conversation. Really great information. Um, at the end. Actually, where where can people find you if you uh, if they want to reach out, see your your pictures, see your artwork? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I have a website and it's just my name. It's um, hillaryjason.com, which is spelled H I L L A R I E J A S O N dot com, and mm -hmm. um, there are links to that to everything for um, Twitter, Facebook, um, uh, Instagram. All of these things are just under my name. So they're pretty easy to find, um, HillaryJason.art, Hillary, all these things. Um, tw no offense to Twitter fans. I'm not really good at the Twitterverse anymore. I don't. Me either. People dig it and that's cool. I just can't. There's just too many things that I can't focus on um, many. Unfortunately, I haven't really been good during this COVID thing about posting any updates on my social media. Um but I just didn't know if it was really my place and if it was going to help anybody. And there are other people that are doing a really great job at it. And I figured to let them do it, but I think I'll probably start that up again. I've, um, hmm. Now that we're in the middle of like show and fest season, what would be pretty much the beginning of it. Um, and I know like, even for myself, I think I've already missed four or five fests. Um, so you know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll help people. Maybe it'll make them feel better. I was just concerned that it would either get me upset or someone else upset. And, you know, right. and there's so many other people that are really great at like, ah, oh, look at this. This happened a year ago and this happened 12 years ago. And, and just kind of was like, all right, let's let them do their thing. And I got to figure out what the hell I'm doing. And, right. but so I'll, I'll probably start picking up, uh, the Instagrams and the Facebooks and all that stuff mm -hmm. again. But, yeah, all of that is pretty much links to it or from my website where there's like a portfolio and all the shows, anything that wasn't licensed um, or isn't being held for license is pretty much up there from the shows I've shot. Cool. 
And then uh, at the end, I like to play um, a piece of music from uh, either the band I'm interviewing or someone they're working with. Um, who would you like me to play and what song? Oh, God, what song? That makes it difficult. Okay, so... Um, I've got a suggestion if you, if you prefer, but... That's all right. I mean, if you could, if you could play um, uh, from there's a band that I work with pretty um, religiously at this point. Um, this band, local band here, Morn, spelled M O R N E. Um, they're really they're you know some of the best people I know, um, and luckily I also like their music. Started working mm -hmm. with them about seven years ago or something like that. If you if you want to play something from the new album, that would be great. Um, I don't know they if you have a choice, you could just. Um, I was actually well, so I was I've been listening to it a little bit, and I I I kind of prefer the uh, is it uh to the night unknown yep, album that's the to newest. Rust. Yeah. Well, oh, I thought Rust is an EP then. Rust, well, no, Rust is um actually some uh yeah, I mean it's old material. Some of it okay. was from yeah, and then it, so it's been re-released. Um, okay, on, on that um, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it sounds it sounds different than the older than the original. Okay. But um, yeah. and now it's all together. So um, sure. But yeah, to the night unknown is the you could play that. That's cool. Um, yeah, I I, I really like surrendering surrender surrendering fear. Surrendering it, it fear. Re yeah. Really reminds me of like Tiamat or mm -hmm. you know October Tide. Cool. It's got a really really uh, doomy slow riffage yeah I, I really like it so yeah if, if you don't mind let's go with no that i mean i'm sure they won't mind it's just the first band i thought of since you know i've been working with them I, look, there's so many other bands i could have picked but you know sure you only got one uh, that's cool because yeah i i hadn't actually heard of them before mm -hmm. and so it, it's you know it's great that i got turned on to them so yeah excellent very cool all right well this this was really cool um thank you so much again you know continued success um, you know, hopefully things will get back to normal and you can go out to shoot, um, you know, shows again. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah, hope we'll so. See. Mostly I just, I really hope that everybody else involved in the industry is going to be okay. You know, right. um, financially, emotionally, all of that. There are lots of people behind the scenes that, um, yep. are really struggling and will struggle. And so I'm more, I'm more concerned about them. For me, it's like, I'm okay. It's a bummer. But right. I, I will live, you know, I'll figure something out. Um, I'm more concerned about other people. So do you, do you, so to that to that point, do you have any um, any links to any support websites or charities that are doing things for, for the industry? Um, there's a ton of them. I couldn't I, I actually am not prepared. There's um, there's one that I'm, I'm actually that a lot of people I think have been sharing around about um the, the concern that we have about saving our, our venues, our smaller mm -hmm. venues, I'm sure the bigger ones might have a problem too, but, um, and I, I'm, I'm really concerned about that because without the venue, the, the entire support team has nothing to do. Um, right. so you need the spaces, you know, to, to, to fill it with the people, um, working and, and enjoying shows. So, I mean, there's a lot of that going on right now. I don't have any specific links at the moment. Like I said, I'm sorry. I know I saw a couple okay. people post some things and I mean, I would just say people should get out there and help anyone you can, even if it's not related to music. If you have like, if there's something that you have, um, that someone else needs, I, I don't understand why you would not 
offer it to help someone. So that's just me. But I would, I would, I hope that people will kind of step up to the plate and stop with all the vitriol and the right. anger and, and really just go out there and help people. And Absolutely. And, and all the animals. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and got a great deal out of it. Let me know what you think on social media, on Instagram, at Metal Doggy, M-E-T-A-L-D-O-G-G-I-E. And Facebook, facebook.com forward slash music on your own terms. And finally, if you're on LinkedIn, check out my LinkedIn page, which you can find at linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash music on your own terms. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Morn with Surrendering Fear. <laughs>